So, let's get into this. So the anointing, okay? The anointing. The first thing that we're going to ask is, what is the anointing? I know a lot of Christians who've been around church, but they don't know what it is. They've heard it. They've heard others speak of it. But if I asked you, tell me what the anointing is. It'd be very difficult for some of you to explain it. And it's not your fault. It's just that the information is kind of sometimes distant. So what is the anointing? So I can explain it like this. The anointing signifies, or in a simpler manner, is an indication of. Okay, so it indicates or it signifies a dedicated person, place, or thing to the service of our Father in heaven. I'll say it again. The anointing signifies or is an indication of a dedicated person, place, or thing to the service of our Father in heaven. So one, one good quote that I read was this. Kings, priests, and prophets were anointed outwardly with oil to symbolize a more profound spiritual reality that God's presence was with them and his favor was upon them. So it signified something, okay? So people and things were anointed in Scripture. If you go back in the Old Testament, you look even in the New Testament, things were anointed. People were anointed. They would pray over things and use oil, uh, holy items, including the tabernacle itself, were also set apart or consecrated by anointing for use in worship and sacrificial ceremonies. And we see that in Genesis 28, 18, Exodus 30, 26 through 29, and 49 through 11. These are examples. So let me explain it like this. This property, if you go around the, the side of the stairs, um, I believe when Mary was pulling up, uh, they saw me walking over there. That's what I was going to do. <laughs> On the side of the stairs over there, there's a plaque. And it says 1887 to 1927. So this church started in 1887. Think about that. 1887. So it was actually originally called Cumberland Church. That's where you get the name Cumberland Hall. So there's some history and significance, not just to the church, but to the property. So you, if you look here on this floor, and, and you know, it's, it's an older church now. It was like this, though. At one point, there was a, a little church, and they were praying for a building. And they were praying and fasting and seeking God. And then they got this, this property, and they built this church. And then that church grew even more, and they built another church, another building. And if you look here on this, these bricks here, there's names of families. The different, different families here. Uh, in memory of, uh, there's a dedicated to, there's all different families who were part of this church. And if you think about it, this church has a history of people that said, we're going to buy a property, we're going to build a building, and it's going to be dedicated as a house of worship, a place of prayer a house of prayer, a place that Christians can come and worship together. So there's a question that may come to mind, does the anointing actually work? So in 1887, this place was anointed, dedicated, consecrated to the use for God. And we're here in 2023, and we're a church worshiping together. So you can ask and answer the question, does the anointing work? We believe it 100%. When something is anointed, it is dedicated to God. 
It doesn't change. It has been separated, dedicated, consecrated, set apart for use by God. So when someone says they are anointed, what they are saying is that they are set apart for use by God. See, sometimes in a lot of charismatic circles, I will say, specifically, the anointing is an assumption of a level of holiness. They can say like, oh, that man's anointed. And you think like, oh, wow, they walk with a special power. When in reality, the anointed is literally just, I am dedicated. I am consecrated. Everything about my life, everything about me, my desire, my hope, my future is 100% dedicated to what God wants. So that is the anointing. In Exodus 49 through 11, we read, take the anointing oil and anoint the tabernacle and all its furnishings to consecrate them and make them holy. Anoint the altar of burnt offering and its utensils to consecrate them. Then the altar will become absolutely holy. Next, anoint the wash basin and its stand to consecrate them. So we have a similar pattern of practice uh, to, to anoint or to pray over, to consecrate. And like I said, it's this building, this property was prayed over. It was anointed and we, to be used as a house of prayer and worship. And that's why we're here. That's why we believe and encourage you to pray over your home. You know, I remember we went to uh, Brother Ivan's house when he first bought his house. And we went through and prayed over his home. And we, we anointed it. You know, I showed him some scripture why we're doing this. But the reality was, whether he knew it or not, it was now dedicated to whatever God wanted to do with it. <laughs> I was like, wait, what? I had plans. <laughs> and that's the reality of it. When you anoint something, you dedicate it to whatever God wants. There's an interesting pattern that actually, if you read in Scripture, there's a familiar passage where the disciples were, to disciples were told by Jesus to go and get a colt that was tied up. Anybody familiar with that? Remember the disciples were commanded, Jesus, okay, so the story is this, Jesus told the disciples, he said, go to this place, and at this place you'll find this colt or a donkey tied up. That is for my use. And if they ask you, why are you taking it? Say, the Lord has need of it. That's the example of an anointed one. They are there waiting to be used by God for whatever manner he wants. Now, the hard part is this. Sometimes it's tied up and waiting there for a while. <laughs> and we have to go through this process, right? That's part of the anointing. That's why we believe it. We, we look at it, and it looked like Jesus. You know, we look at what Jesus did. Jesus was anointed. Even the name, Messiah, Christus which is Christ, means anointed one. So he was dedicated, set apart for what God wanted. Now we look at a few pieces in scripture. Okay, so we know that Jesus proclaimed his anointing, he was confirmed in his anointing, and he was physically anointed. So let's go through the scripture. You got your phones or your Bibles? Luke 4, 14 through 21. Luke 4, 14 through 21. And I'm reading ESV. And it says this, And Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and a report about him went out through all the surrounding country. And he taught in their synagogues, being glorified by all. And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. 
he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written. Verse 18, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, Today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. So imagine this. Jesus stands in front of a crowd of religious leaders and says to them, I am anointed. Imagine that. It would seem almost like a, a presumptuous. It would seem like arrogant. But this is what Jesus did. He proclaimed his anointing. Because he knew what it was. He was not bragging. He was simply saying, I am set apart to do whatever God has asked of me. We read further in Matthew 3, 3 13 through 17. Matthew chapter 3, 13 through 17. Then Jesus went from Galilee to the Jordan River to be baptized by John. But John tried to talk him out of it. I am the one who needs to be baptized by you, he said. So why are you coming to me? But Jesus said, it should be done, for we must carry out all that God requires. So John agreed to baptize him. After his baptism, as Jesus came up out of the water, the heavens were opened and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and settling on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my dearly loved son who brings me great joy. So Jesus proclaimed he was anointed and then it was confirmed by God himself. The Spirit of God came down, settled on him. And God says, this is my son, who, who my dearly loved son, who brings me great joy. So we know that there was a confirmation of his proclamation. So he proclaimed, I am anointed. God said, he is my son, an anointed one. Okay, so we know there's confirmation. Now I got some homework for all the meat eaters. Okay, for all of the, you that love theology and maybe, maybe like digging through some scripture. Here's, some, here's two questions for you, okay? This is homework. This is for meat eaters. If you're still just learning the gospel, this is going to be very difficult, okay? But this is, if you're a meat eater and you want to really figure this one out, what is this? I got two questions for you. Why did Jesus need to be baptized? We're not going to answer that right now, but why did Jesus need to be baptized, okay? If he was sinless and perfect, why would there need to be an external expression of an inward work that Jesus was baptized? That's a, good, that's a question that you can go home and look up. Good luck. Matthew 4.1. <laughs> then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. The second question for you is this, for the meat eaters. Why was Jesus immediately tempted after being anointed? Why did Jesus need to be baptized? And why was he tempted after being anointed? These are questions that, if you, like I said, if you want to dig into Scripture, you want to get some more in-depth doctrine and theology in you, Find out the answer to these two questions, all right? So we go further. The Spirit of God descended and settled on him. This is what anointing looks like. God covers you. He covers you. That is the anointing. It covers you. You walk in it. God establishes his presence in your life. How, what does that look like? Sometimes it looks different for different people. Sometimes the number one thing that you can identify 
that you're anointed is the conviction of sin. The conviction of sin. Some of you will walk in a way and, and you'll find yourself desiring the things you used to desire. Even getting tempted. Sometimes even giving in. But the difference is this. The anointing says that it brings in the conviction of the Holy Spirit to say, this is wrong. I should not be doing this. I shouldn't have done this. That is the conviction of the Holy Spirit, which implies that you are anointed. Because if you walk in the Spirit, the Spirit brings conviction. And if, the God, is, if God is covering you and walking with you, you cannot even walk into sin without the conviction of the Holy Spirit. I like what the GodQuestions.org says. It symbolizes a more profound spiritual reality that God's presence was with them and his favor was upon them. You know, I like when uh, pastors talk about favor. Uh, there's a guy, he's a comedian. He says, you know, I went to Chick-fil-A. I ordered a six-piece six and I got an eight-piece. That's favor. That's blessing. <laughs> I was like, I mean, yeah, sure. You know, it's, it's the guys who, uh, like for myself, I always joke, I get the poor man's first class. If you get the exit row on the plane when you're flying, that's the poor man's first class. So sometimes I get in and it's the exit row. I'm like, blessing, come on. <laughs> yeah, I, I like that. It's funny, but it's really the reality of you walk with a favor. And then we look, because this is the reality of what anointing is. When Jesus was physically anointed, physically anointed, there was oil put on him. First off, it was a common practice back in the day that when you walked into a house, you were anointed. It was a common practice, okay? But there was a specific anointing that was done on the body, starting with the head. It symbolizes a lot. It goes back into the prophets uh, anointing the kings over Israel. They, they anointed them. Even to this day, a very interesting fact, just for fun, for free, um, <laughs> when the Queen of England, right, or royalty is put into a, a position of, of, uh, uh, on the throne, when they're enthroned, basically, they're put into the role of king or queen. There is a service that is done in the church, and they use specific terminology to say you are ordained as king or queen. You are anointed. You are not elected. You are not selected by a group of peers. You are ordained by God himself. And even on the crown itself, there is a cross, and then there is a crown, and then there is a globe, which represents that God is over the authority of the crown, and the crown is over the authority of the earth. So it's an interesting practice that comes from the Bible. There was an anointing done to place people into leadership roles, okay? So in Mark 14, 3 through 9, Mark chapter 14, 3 through 9, we read this. And this is where anointing kind of comes to a, a place of example and understanding for us as Christians. Mark 14, 3 through 9. And while he was at Bethany in the house of Simon the leper, as he was reclining at a table, a woman came with an alabaster flask of, anoint, of ointment, of pure nard, very costly. And she broke the flask and poured it over his head. There were some who said to themselves indignantly, why was the ointment wasted like that? For this ointment could have been sold for more than 300 denarii and given to the poor. And they scolded her. But Jesus said, leave her alone. Why do you trouble her? She has done a beautiful thing to me. For you always have the poor with you. And whenever you want, you can do good for them. 
but you will not always have me. She has done what she could. She has anointed my body beforehand for burial. And truly I say to you, wherever the gospel is proclaimed in the whole world, what she has done will be told in memory of her. So we read in Scripture, we read in Scripture that Jesus himself says she has anointed my body. We see this, but for what? Jesus was anointed, physically anointed in that moment for burial, for death. See, when we talk about anointing and we say, what is the anointing? We can look at scripture and look at the example of Jesus. He proclaimed it. It was, it was confirmed by God himself. And then it was practiced in the presence of normal people. And in that presence, he proclaimed again what it was for. Burial. It was for complete denial of self. Jesus is, is, is we're, we know that in the scripture teaches, he was a, like a lamb led to the slaughter. He literally said, I know what I'm going, what's going to happen. I, I, I know they're going to hurt me, but I'm going to do it because this is what God is asking of me. That is the anointing. That is what the anointing looks like. If you desire anointing, you desire death to self to say, Lord Jesus, everything I am belongs to you. I desire to worship you. I desire to please you. That is the anointing. The anointing is for the glory of God. The anointing is for dedicated service to fulfill God's will. Dedicated service to fulfill God's will. When we are saved, following the example of Jesus, we confess with our mouths and believe in our hearts. At the moment of salvation, believers are indwelt by the Holy Spirit. Okay, Romans 10, 9 through 10 says this, Because if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart, one believes and is justified. And with the mouth, one confesses and is saved. We, like our Savior, proclaim our anointing through confession that Jesus is Lord. That is the confession that we say. I'm a Christian, which means what? Jesus is Lord. I'm a Christian, which means what? I follow Jesus. I'm a Christian, which means I am dead to my desires. My, my purpose for living is dedicated and set apart to please you, Lord, we, so when we are saved, we are anointed to be dedicated to his service and fulfillment for his plans and his will for our lives. I'm going to ask Brother Melvin if he can come up. I want to close this again with the thought. The anointing signifies a dedicated person, place, or thing to the service of our Father in heaven. So I want you to, for a minute, just consider where you're at. Consider that people walked this property before it was theirs and said, Lord, we're going to buy this property and it's going to be for your glory. 
Consider that. This was the result of prayers, of fasting, of people getting together and saying, Lord, we want you to be glorified in our life. And, and anytime we walk into that place of saying, Lord, we want to give you glory, that is walking in anointing. It is not just a...